today. Why don't we open up to uh, Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. Lord, we come before you and we just declare your goodness. And in these unique times, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would comfort us. You guide us. And Lord, right now, you would open up our hearts. Receive of your word. Father, I pray for focus right now. In Jesus' name. Focus for the Spirit. Focus in the flesh. Amen. So, today's uh, sermon is passing over the land of Goshen, where the blood is there can be no fear. Amen? So, as you guys know right now, or maybe you don't know, but we are approaching the season of Pesach, or Passover, and also the um, season of Resurrection, or Easter, Resurrection Sunday. It is all coming up. This upcoming Sunday is Palm Sunday, but we're entering into a springtime celebrations, plural, of both the passing over of the angel of death and the passing over of the plagues over the nation of Israel, and also the resurrection of the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And it's like you have to be living in a vacuum if you can't see the connections between that and the year 2020. So we're a little early. We're a week out from uh, both uh, Palm Sunday, Easter, and uh, Passover. But I feel like the Lord was just on this. Um, so I really wanted, I just couldn't hold it in anymore. I just said I had to, I just had to plow. And I had to get into it now. So already I'm going to apologize if this is a fiery word. Uh, not because it's a firework, but if I come off uh, in, in too much of an intense way, I don't think I will, because I've learned to kind of reel it in a little bit. But this is a, this is one of those ones, man. It's like it's a wake-up call and a rude awakening to the bride of Jesus. Right now, a big awakening, and we can see this awakening, and we can see this warning, if you will, and we can see this encouragement, I guess I should say, as well. From the Older Testament, in the book of Exodus, chapter 8, let's go to verse 20. <clears throat> Exodus, chapter 8. This is God speaking. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people will dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I'm sorry, that's actually verse 22. My apologies. Verse 22. Verse 23, I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this shall be the sign. So what we have here is, the Lord is telling the nation of Israel that you are going to be dwelling in a land called Goshen. While you are enslaved in Egypt, you're going to be living in a land called Goshen. The plagues of Egypt are going to come, and here is a very specific plague, which is discussion of the swarm of flies. But there are nine other plagues that are happening, and over and over again, the Lord says, you are to be in this land, and you are going to be saved. 
Not only are you going to be saved, but it says here that you're going to put on the blood of the Lamb of God over the post lintel of your doorway. And because you've done that, because you live in the land of Goshen, because of this, the plagues will have no sting or hold over you. Come on. Okay? That's what's going on here. And so what we have here is a very, very powerful notion, right? Where the blood of the Lord is, it says in the scriptures, the destroyer cannot go, cannot come in to that place. This is what the Lord is saying in the first Passover. And this is what he's saying to us today. And so in this scripture right here, we have the place in Egypt. We have actually in verse 20, and the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. And as he comes out to the water, say unto him, let my people go that they may serve me. Another powerful piece here is the Lord is saying later in, 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 in verse 22, I believe, it says here that he is going to actually make a difference. He says, I am going to make a difference. It's actually in verse 23. I apologize. I will make a difference between my people and your people, Pharaoh. You see, the plagues come in, and the Lord is saying unto Pharaoh and unto the Hebrews, He said, I am making a difference. I am showing a differentiation, a distinction between those who receive the plagues and those who are, are receiving the blood of the Lamb. The Passover Lamb, that shall be protected. And so the land of Goshen is a very interesting place. It's actually just east of the main population of Egypt, seen on biblical atlases. So it's set apart from actually the city limits. It's where the slaves would be. And something very powerful that actually the rabbis teach is this. They're, they're on the eastern side of the population of Egypt, which is showing that they're yet one step closer to the promised land. Right? They're just one degree east, right? Maybe two degrees east, and they're just one little step closer to the promised land, but yet they're not there yet. And it's here that the children of God receive protection and it's a haven for the plague. Wow. And so this season, Passover, and the resurrection of the Lamb of God seen in Easter through the resurrection of Jesus, there should be a reminder in this land that where the blood is, the destroyer can't go. Come on. In Goshen, the destroyer is not allowed to be. He's just not allowed. God has orchestrated this. I am saying the destroyer is not allowed in the place where the blood is applied. That's good, Dave. Come on. Thank you, God. And here's the reality. <clears throat> now, today is the time. Now is the hour in this land to receive the revelation of the blood of the Lamb of God. If you have not understood the real, true revelation of what the blood of the Lamb of God can do for you, now is the time. Guys, dare I say this? Your entire... I want you guys to get this. It's unbelievable. Right now, in March of 2020, your entire spiritual life, I want to say this again, your entire spiritual life 
your entire spiritual training in your life has been done and completed for this time of your life. This time in history. This place. How can I say that? People, there is a play. Sweeping planet Earth. And the question here today in this Passover season is this. Where is your faith? Not even just where is your faith. I would say it this way. Where do you place yourself? Do you place yourself amongst the plagues of Egypt? Or do we place ourselves in the land of Goshen amongst the blood? Where do you place yourself? You see, during the first Passover, the plagues, the angel of death, Pass over the host. Hence, pass over. The angel of death and the plagues themselves pass over the homes that apply the blood of the Lamb. Hey. Powerful. Shaka. And here's this the plagues. The plagues of today. There's a better land. There's a better blood. John chapter 1, 29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. A better Lamb has come. With more power. With more power. A blood that has come that is so powerful that we have full communion with God the Father again. A, a blood that is so powerful that wipes away, gets rid of all sin. A blood that is so powerful that it caused the character, the curtain in the temple to be torn so the Holy Ghost could be inside of it. Hey! A blood that was so powerful that it set Israel free, but it also set the hey. nations free. A blood that is so powerful that it causes Satan to quake. So, the plagues of Egypt. Every year, ever since I was a little boy, we take part in the Passover. We do it two times, first two nights, one family and one with our congregation. And it gets to a point in the story where you dip your finger in grape juice or you dip your finger in wine and you recite the plagues. And I'm telling you right now that this year when I do it, it's going to be so much more significant and so much more powerful. Come on, man. In fact, I'm believing that in the wake of all of this kind of plague, if you will, that has befallen the world, there's going to be increase in the revelation of the power of the Old Testament, the power of the Passover, and how we as believers can gain a deeper understanding of the Word. Yeah. And so the plagues, right? Plagues of turning water into blood. A plague of frogs. The plague of lice. The plague of cattle disease. The plague of flies. The plague of boils. The plague of hail. The plague of locusts. The plague of darkness. Last, plague of death of the firstborn. I'm telling you right now, folks, that there is a plague today. There is a plague in our land 
and there's a plague on planet Earth, and I can't deal with the plague on planet Earth, and I can't deal with the plague that's in your house and in your life, but I can deal with the plague that's in my heart and in my family's heart. It's a plague which I am calling the 11th plague. It's not the 10th place, it's the 11th plague. And hear me out, I'm telling you that this 11th plague is the worst plague imaginable. Come on. And it's not coronavirus. Come on, man. The plague that is on planet Earth is the worst imaginable plague because it's your own mind that fabricates it. It is the plague of fear. Yeah. On planet Earth today, there is a plague that makes coronavirus look like a common cold. It is a plague of fear that has frozen stock markets, that have frozen international trade, that have frozen people in a spirit of fear. And as I was reflecting on this, it's funny. That 11th play, the play of fear, which we fabricate, it's not to be found amongst the heathens. Like the lice and the boils and the, and the hail and all of them, the Hebrews knew of them. They knew that those things were coming to the other side of Goshen, to the land of the people of Egypt. And they knew that they applied the blood that it would not come. But I'm telling you, the Hebrews were in a place that they can't even register and understand the concept of the 11th place. Wow. Wow. They cannot register fear. Hey, come on. Now, why is that? Why is that? I want you to put yourself in this place. A guy comes down from the desert, from a mountain. He comes to the land of Egypt, and he tells you that he's going to be the deliverer. He's going to be the deliverer. What you got to do is you just need to follow him. And he does a couple miracles, and then he starts to say that there are plagues are coming, but by the way, if you put blood on the post lintel of your house, these plagues are not going to come. And let's just place ourselves in that place right now. There are people that are freaking out that they may lose a job. There's people that are freaking out because of a virus. Can you imagine over 3,000 years ago, a nation of slaves were sitting in their house when an angel of death is coming over your land and that angel of death is going to kill your firstborn. That's a whole other level than the Dow Jones sneaking down at 21,000 points. That's a whole other level than, 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 than about 150,000 people in our country that have been tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, there is an angel that is sent by God himself. Come on. Now, I'm not saying coronavirus has been sent by God. I'm not getting into that camp. What I'm saying is in the first Passover, God sent the angel of death. And if I was there with my family, I would be like, oh, oh, fear. That's where my faith is. That fear is, oh my gosh, will my firstborn die? So will the frogs come into my house? But you notice not once, not once is there, there an utterance of the children of God that says that they had fear. That's good. Not once. Come on. Why? Come on. They had more faith in you. 
That no faith in me. They didn't even have the blood of Jesus yet. And they didn't even have the outpouring of the Holy Ghost yet. I have the blood of Yeshua, the blood of Jesus, the sacrificial life. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And I'm telling you today that these people had more faith than most of you and definitely. Wow. Wow. It's because the church has got an identity problem. Church doesn't know who they are. They didn't know, and they don't know that this is a covenant in blood, a promise by God Himself. Why did they not have fear? Because God said it. Why did the children of Israel, why did they not have fear? Because God said it. But, 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 but why did he have fear? Because God said. What did he say? You are my people. What did he say? I have given you a destiny. You're slaves now, but I've called you, and I've called your fathers, and I've called your children's children's children to be a priesthood, a holy generation, a chosen people. And God said, where the blood is applied. The destroyer can't go. You see, the Hebrews believed in God. They believed in His blood. What they also did, they applied the blood. Come on. There's a difference between believing in the blood and applying the blood. And I'm telling you that right now the Lord is awakening the church to say, have you just believed in my blood? Or are you willing to apply the blood? I want to get into that, but I'm going to tone it down and calm it down. No, 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 you're just going to do it. I'm a closet uh, human. A closet lack. Let's uh, slow things down a little bit. We're going to go back to the process of applying the blood. But let's talk about fear for a moment. <clears throat> the Hebrews did not have fear. I would argue that they had more faith than many of us, which is an amazing, amazing thing because they did not have a revelation of Jesus yet. They did not have a revelation of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So good. Types of fear. Uh, the one type of fear, one type of fear is um, dread, terror. I think most people, uh, unless you are like, let's be real, unless you are like a United States Marine, a United States Army member in the armed forces, and you are on the front lines of battle, like hand-to-hand combat, you and I do not have a process of understanding pure dread and terror. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been sentenced with a terminal illness. Maybe, maybe dread and terror is there, but I don't think it's in the same thing, same thing because dread and terror comes in like a significant, specific moment in time. But many of us have what scientists call low-intensity fear. Low-intensity fear would be described as stress and anxiety. It's, it's fear. It's just a lower frequency, a lower intensity, but it's fear. Yeah. Your stress of your life and your anxiety in your life, it, it all comes back from fear. That's, good, That's what it is. Uh-huh. It's just frequencies been turned up. Yeah. 
But if you're a stressful person, if you're an anxious person, it's not going to take much to turn that up into dread and terror. Now, let me say this. A certain level of fear is actually good. What's good? I'm not even getting into the fear of the awe of the Lord. That's a whole other sermon. But I'm talking about a natural, biological function of fear is actually a good thing. What do you mean, David? Look, there's a hot stove. I have kids, right? Uh, it's like, obviously, they're not going to touch that stove. I'm going to protect them from them. At some point, you and I understand, something that is hot, you touch it, you're going to burn yourself. You're going to hurt. That's true. You're going to you're, you're suffer some type of affliction, right? You're going to suffer pain. And so pain is actually a signal to the mind that this is not something you should be doing. Right? So fear can have a natural status of being. There is a purpose of fear, and that's why God has given us a level of it. Scientists say it's actually biochemical. Like literally, when something is, 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 is you should be alarmed about, your body send, sends signals to itself. Your brain sends signals to your body. Your adrenaline levels will go up. Your heart rate will go up. You'll be sweating. I'll take place. And so it's, it's a true, real, biological function that God has given to us for our protection. So there, there's, there's, there's a place, I guess is what I'm saying, for a limited amount of fear to send a signal for you to respond. But this is what's a very, very kind of bizarre idea. Is that many neuroscientists claim many uh, neuroscientists claim this is crazy, these are scientists, right? claim that humans are the most frightened creatures on the planet frightened yeah, neuroscientists biochemists and, and, and evolutionary scientists are claiming that human beings are the most frightened creatures on the planet Like, I don't know a time when my dogs were, like, afraid. I don't know when the birds of the air are afraid. Now, imagine if a predator comes to they respond in that kind of fear, in that fight-for-flight mechanism. But they don't have the status of entering into a, a, a long-gained state of fear. Now, the reason being here is, is interesting. It's, it's actually what God has created for beauty, the enemy has created for negativity and darkness. They say this, that human beings are the most frightened creatures on planet Earth because of our mind. Because of our imaginations. Because of our creativity. All of those things which are supposed to use to glorify the Lord. Fine, no, Mr. Norris scientist. Humans are the most or afraid creatures on planet Earth because of our minds. But I, I would just say to you right now, you have to get this right now, when, when everything seems to be kind of wacky in this, in this nation. And it's this. I and you are not just any creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation.
passed away, behold, all things have become new. You and I are not like all other human beings. We are new creatures in Christ. And all past things have passed away. So there's a mandate for us not to be afraid. Where does, where does fear come from? Fear uh, is largely learned from past experiences. How your parents modeled yeah. things for you. How yeah. friends have modeled things for you. Uh, your, how you grew up and the things that have happened to you in the past. And I get that. But this is the time the church, the church needs to be awakened. But God says that all things of the past have been killed. They have died. They have fallen away. So we learn these things, but I really believe that there's actually more to it than that. I really believe that fear is actually stemmed from feeling a lack of control. Right? Like when we feel that we cannot control the given moment, Fear can creep in. It's like, I, I can't do anything. That's good. Right? There's nothing I can do to preserve myself in this given situation. It's essentially stepping into an unknown. I think that's largely where people get afraid. It's like, I have never been here before. I do not know what's going on. And there's nothing that I can physically do to stop this situation from happening. Yeah. Come on. And if you're in quarantine, which we all are, or if you are maybe losing your job, there is a presence of fear that may come in because you're like, my hands are tied, there's literally nothing I can do. Literally, even if you wanted to find a new job, you can't. Because you're forcing me in your home. And so this is it. Fear is a byproduct of a lack of control. Wow. And a crisis of faith only happens when you think you are in control. It's like, man, I lost my job. Or, man, there's viruses out there. Oh, man, I got a cold or an upper respiratory tract infection. Maybe it's corona. Guys, your crisis of faith can only happen if you actually think you're in control. Come on, you understand what I'm saying, people watching on YouTube. I cannot have a crisis of faith regarding anything because I've come to a place that just says, I am not in control. I'm not in control of my life. And the Hebrews knew this. They're brought down to a place of slavery for 430 years. They're enslaved. They have no power. They have no rights. They have no authority. But then a prophet shows up and says, God says. They believe. Why did they believe? They had no other option. They were completely optionless. They had zero, zero control. I am not in control of my life. I am dead, the scripture says. David Greenhoff Jr., as a being, is supposed to be dead. And he is alive in me. So, let's figure this out. If, if I'm dead, he's alive in me. I cannot control that which I do not have. 
And what I do not have is my life. My life has been crucified with Christ. He has purchased me with his blood on the cross. Then, therefore, I do not have control of my life because my life is not my own. Then, therefore, I don't have to worry about my life because my life is not, in fact, not mine. You get what I'm saying here? It's like, he's in control. And so I say this to you. My father, and I hope we can all get to this place during the season of our lives, this Passover 2020, this Easter 2020, that we come to the recognition and the understanding that our father is in control. And then therefore, I cannot be afraid. Because it's no longer my life. In fact, to have control is above my pay grade. That's so good, dude. Come on, man, man. Guys, it's not my job. Whoa, whoa, it's not my job to take care and control my life or my family or this church. That's not my job. It is the Lord's job working through us. Yes, but I don't have to stress. I don't have to worry about it. It is not on my pay grade, people. Come on, though. So many of us worry. No, yeah, it just, I mean, it's, it's a very American concept. Americans don't know their role. We don't know our role. They're actually saying like how difficult it is to quarantine Americans. Like it's like the Italians and Chinese are already quarantined. The Americans are like, we don't like to be told what to do. And it's a beautiful thing at most times. And it's a beautiful thing uh, when you're questioning your government, you're holding them accountable and stuff. But Americans don't understand the concept of your role. Like how many of us want to like say like, oh, the CEO of my company should be doing it this way. The president should be doing it this way. The governor should be doing it this way. The teacher, well, the teacher should be doing it this way. Guys, it's not your role. It's not your role, know your role. Your role is what you're doing. And the spirit, your sons of God, you are not to control your life because it's not your life. So just know you're wrong. Hey, the CEO of the kingdom is the one that's responsible. The boss tells me what to do. I don't tell myself what to do. I don't have to concern myself with that. You hear what I'm saying? But here's the thing, man. I'm telling you that the church has largely, and Americans are largely, and the world has largely, has re-committed themselves to the building of the tower, the tower of God. That's good. We're doing it. And you could be doing it right now. And it's this, that which is seen in your imagination is in fact distracting you from that which is true. That's good, come on. Your own creativity, your own mind, your own imagination is distracting you from that which is true. And that which is true is God is sovereign and God bears the responsibility over my life because he purchased it 2,000 years ago. That's good, that's good. Okay, there's a coronavirus, there's hell, okay, nice, I'm telling you 100%, this is where my faith is at, my God has not brought me this far in my walk with him and in my life to have me die. Come on man, that's right on. It happened! So I'm telling you that 100 times. You know that in my spirit. The Lord's not like, hey, David, I brought you this far. Now he's going to extinguish your life and let you get a virus and let you do this. No. He has not. I know that. Finances. I'm telling you, the Lord has not brought you this far to watch you falter. 
preach it. But, but the Lord has not brought this church this far. The Lord has not delivered you from your sins yeah. and all the difficulties and the rejuvenation that you've had since you've been coming to this church. You know who you guys are out there. Yeah. He has not done that to now watch you falter. Come on. Come on. We've got to be careful, people. We've got to be careful. Yes. Yes, it is mindful and it is wise to pay attention to germs and to wash your hands and to use social distancing as you're talking about. It is wise and it is mindful to think about your job and position yourself. Yes, but I'm telling you, it is unwise to build a tower of Babel to be like God when you are being mindful of others. What am I getting at here? It's this. Many of us, in times like this, we place ourselves into the security of our very own construction. Tower of Babel, the nations of the earth, were building their own towers so they could be likened to God. I'm telling you right now, if you think that you have control of your health, if you think that you have control of your finance, if you think you have control of your these things, that you're the one that's doing it, you're simply building a new battle. You are constructing. So good, Dick. Not with stone and not with mud, you are constructing with high faults. And this is very, very important because if you're that type of person that tries to figure everything out, you try to control everything, you try to solve everything, it may look good, it may look fine when everything is hunky dory in society. But I'm telling you this once a play comes, Once a recession comes, you're going to design the eleventh play. You're going to design the play of fear. Come upon The very people that do not learn to relinquish control, to die to self, and say, Lord, you have control over my finances. You have control over my job. You have control over my health. You are sovereign over me. Because I'm a holy priesthood. And I'm a chosen generation. If you cannot do that when everything is fine, and you yourself have the control, right now you are freaking bugging out. You're bugging out. Oh man, where's the bill? How am I going to pay the bill? And how am I going to do this? Guys, I'm telling you, you cannot construct the towers of Babel in your life where you bring forth your own security. Come on, Dave. And you try to be like God. Yes. And so, all of this is this. There is a rude awakening that's coming to the church. And it's coming, it's coming now. Is this, is this all right? I don't even know what the time is. Like, you know, what else are you going to do? Watch, are you going to watch uh, Netflix or something? You just started preaching. Keep going. Keep going, bro. Keep going, bro. Yeah. Where do you go? Pentecost right here. You just started, bro. I just started. No, no, no. You just... Look, there, there is a rude awakening that's not coming to the church. There is a rude awakening that is already here in the church. And it's this. As I said earlier, the church at large believes in the blood. But they haven't applied the blood in their life. And this is the awakening, and this is the trumpet that is coming to the bride of the side. What a message. You see, to believe in the blood is to believe for salvation. 
But to apply the blood is to believe for the eternal in your daily life. You see, you can just believe in the blood of the Lamb. Or if I'm going to get saved, it's going to happen. But to apply the blood means I need to see the blood now. I need to see the power, the awesome miracle power of the blood of the Lamb of God today. Not when I die, I get to the point of my case. So I keep it simple. You believe in the blood only if you only think about the blood is there to sustain you and to protect you when you die. To apply the blood is to apply it into your life now. To say that the miracle power workings of the blood of the Lamb of God is for me right now, in my life right now. That's how you apply it. It's not enough to be a church. It's not enough to be a bride that says, I'm going to get, I am saved, I'm giving it to the pearly white gates. It can only be enough when you say, I apply the blood now. And there's no worry. And there's no control. I rely on Him. Thank you, God. To apply the blood, what is it? It's faith. It's trust. It is, Lord, what you say in your word is what is true. That's right. Come on. What is it? It's when everyone around me and all my neighbors and all society and all my co-workers, when everything around me is falling apart, I can stand and say, but I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, Dave. And I shall fear no evil. For his rod and his staff comfort me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's how peaceful and how rest we can be. That's how David was able to do this. That's how David was able to recite that song. I'm applying the blood today. Zeke, come on up with the candle, please. Come on, Zeke. We have to understand that the promises in this book have been sealed by the blood of Jesus. This this is not just a book to just read. It's, It's a book of promise. It's a book of promise. Come on, David. How can we call ourselves believers if we don't believe what the Word says? Yeah, there are fearful times. There's a virus that's on planet Earth. There's economic concerns. I'm telling you what dwarfs all of that. It's a plague of fear. It's a good word, man. And it's at this time, it's never this season, that we have to come to a place and say, Lord, I don't have control. Come on, David. I just want to encourage you this. You can release yourself. And I think this is really hard for some people. You need to say it's okay that you don't know. It's okay as a man that you're not sure how the bills are going to come in. It's okay, it's okay that you cannot control this situation. But I will tell you this. It's at this time that, okay, we may not have control. You do need to have this. You need to be of good courage. That's good, come on. That's different. 
Being of good courage is knowing what the word says. Knowing that God is going to take care of everything. As the famous American writer Ernest Hemingway uh, said, Courage is grace under pressure. So good. Come on. Courage is grace under pressure. And there is a pressure that's going on. But God is saying unto us, be of good courage. But what is being of good courage? I mean, what he says, being courageous is when everything else is pressure and everything else is falling apart. But you stand in grace. What is grace? Grace is unwarranted favor. What is grace? I don't deserve it, God. But you made a covenant and you are a covenant keeping God. And that's the place of my courage. Come on, David. That when the pressures come, I hold on to grace. When the pressure comes, I hold on to the mercy of God. When I, when I hold, when I'm going through it, I hold on to the grace of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb of God. God, you're covenant-keeping God. When you keep covenant, when you bear covenant, Lord, in your word, there's always, always the sealing of covenant by the blood. Love land. And so it says, what are our jobs right now? Like seriously, what on earth are we supposed to be doing right now? When all this is going on, what are we supposed to be doing? I know it's unbelievable, but over 3,000 years ago, the Hebrews are probably sitting there like, well, what do we do? Plagues are coming. What do we do? Angel of death is coming. And what do they do? They rest. They stop. The presence of God. Our job right now is not to take control. It is to relinquish control to the Father. You said during this virus, you said during the plagues, where the blood is the destroyer cannot go. You said with finances and financial problems. You said in Psalm 37, verse 25, through, the, through, through David. Let's begin in verse 23. This is David. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast out. That's good. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And David says, I have been young. And I am now old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or for his descendants begging for bread. For God is merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. I didn't say that, God. You did. That's a word, man. sealed it with your blood. That's a word. That's applying the blood and actually believing it. That's a word. And so, as we kind of sort of close up here. That's so good. That's so good. School. The church, Christians, you need to start learning to ask questions again. It's a good word, Dave. You're always looking for answers. 
Some of us are even afraid to question God. Like, let me question God. Like, God, what is this? What does this mean? What's going on? You're allowed to have conversation with you. Good word. Questions, questions, questions. All right, Lord. In the first Passover, what was the purpose of the plagues? Why did the plague come? You're like, well, why is this coronavirus here? Why is this going on? Why is the economy showing down? Come on, ask the question you're allowed. God, what is the purpose of all this? Tell the word. Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve. I'm telling you that the plague of fear has come to you to shake in all things that must be shaken. That fear that you're dealing with, it's there so, so you can draw upon his word that says, let my child go. Let him come out of fear so they can worship me and that they can serve me. It's good, man. Come on, man. In the first Passover, the first Passover, this is something that was hilarious. Over 3,000 years ago, this upcoming week, and two, through the first Passover, the Hebrews are in fact quarantined. I mean, they're quarantined with their families inside of their huts. When the plagues are coming, the angels are there, they're quarantined. They can't go outside. You go outside, plague is going to hit you. Wow. You're going to stay where the blood is. So now they're stuck inside. And what do they do? They huddle around and they eat the Passover lamb. What do they do? They're sitting there with their families and they're telling their children of not just miracles of ages ago, but miracles that are happening right now. Wow, come on. They apply the blood and the angel of death passes over. And then that night, and then that night, and then that night, the clock strikes midnight, and it's a new day, and they leave the quarantine. They leave the place and the nation of bondage, and fear has no hold on them, and they walk out of Egypt. They walk out of bondage. They walk out of the quarantine as men and as women of promise and freedom. And so this Passover, this resurrection season, this Easter 2020, I am telling you the Lord wants you to apply the blood in your life. And not just hold out for salvation when you pass this earth, but for you to apply the blood today and be free from sin and to be free from work and to be free from fear. This Passover be free from the bondage of the plague of fear. So that you too can go to Pharaoh and say, Let me go. I want to go and worship and serve the Lord with gladness in the land of the living because of the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Call right now, wherever you are. Whatever device you are on, are on. If you are struggling with fear right now, a fear of finances, 
a fear of germs and viruses. Come on, just raise your hands right now. Raise your hands right now. Come on, do something. Do something by humbling yourself. I know your children are there. They're watching mom and they're watching dad. I know your unbelieving spouse is right there. He's like, what are you doing? What is this guy saying? I'm telling him as an action. As an action, just raise your hands. Or get down on your knees. Or hold your spouse's hands. Hold your children's hands. And say, Lord, we invite you. You, We invite you to pull us out of the plague of fear. Lord, we invite you to pull us out of the place of control. Lord, we invite you. We invite you. We want to apply the blood of the Lamb on our lives. As a people, as a bride, we relinquish all control to you. Lord, all the ministries that rely on the things of men and not rely on the kings of men, they now, they now have nowhere to go. They just say, Lord, we need you. Trust you. Trust you, Jesus. Father, I, I, just, I pray that you just release right now a spirit of supplication, a spirit of thanksgiving. Lord, a spirit of the living God that will just be with the simplicity of faith. Just say, because you said, because you said, you said no evil shall befall. You said you will not have me laugh. You said you were the provider. I can't control it, Lord. Because it's not mine to control. We give it to you. Say, you are the one. You are the one. Control is my destiny. And I'm your son. You are his daughter. If a son or daughter asks of God for bread, shall I give him a stone? Of course not. Let's pray this in Jesus. We just encourage you to leave on our YouTube channel words of encouragement to one another. I really, really just encourage you to reach out to people in the church or reach out to people you know. I know I've been in contact with some of the, uh, the older folks in the church. Come on, this is a time for the church to come together. This is a time for the church to show community. Go call someone. I encourage you, like maybe give yourself one phone call a day. Just reach out to someone and see how they're doing. Pray for them. I encourage you, right? Just keep, just keep, keep focus on our Facebook wall and I can see what kind of uh, meetings and things are going up digitally. Uh, I know that it's definitely going to be this Wednesday where we're just going to pray. We're going to pray fire, right? For my people to be set free. Yes. The plagues of the earth. Have a wonderful week. Be blessed and be good. Let you know what's going on for next week, Sunday. And uh, we're just going to have a little bit of time for uh, Zeke to be playing the piano for those of you to reflect. Amen.